0: and we thought we were doing that here in California with Assembly Bill 32. That was back in 2006, I believe it was passed, and that was uh, really groundbreaking, pioneering legislation that would make California a leader once again in uh, addressing uh, CO2 and uh, other greenhouse gases that contribute to climate change. Fran Pavley was behind that bill. She's one of my sheroes. And then along comes Proposition 23, just when we need um, what AB 32 Uh, is offering most, which has been leadership and and, um, legislation that's really forcing uh, communities and states to come up with legislation and guidelines to really control carbon emissions, along comes, well follow the money, Uh, the oil industry funding Proposition 23 that would, if not uh, stall the impact of AB 32, perhaps uh, turn it around, and we're going to find out what that means and what's at stake and what you can do about it with someone who's been in the forefront of the renewable energy movement, solar panel uh, industry in particular, that is David Hochschild. He was on my program when it was EcoTalk on Air America years ago. Welcome uh, to the Green Front, David. Good
1: morning. Good to speak to you again.
0: Great to have you on, and uh, I should mention you have uh, some awards uh, behind you since I last spoke to you, Sierra Club's Trailblazer Award, congratulations on that, American Lung Association's Clean Air Hero, and uh, the Department of Energy's Million Solar Roof True Champion Award. So, masel tov, as I say to you, and you've not uh, wavered in your commitment to uh, putting more solar panels on more rooftops across not only the Bay Area and California, but the rest of the country and of course ab-32 looked like uh, that was going to be the turning point and it has been and then along comes uh, a little bit of an obstacle and uh, not too surprising where the funding for it is coming from uh... tell us right now how does proposition twenty three look on the upcoming ballot is it uh, likely to pass or not
1: well it is going to be very very close which is why we need everybody to show up at the polls the main thing that Californians should understand when they vote on this measure is who is funding it. So they're making an argument that AB32 is going to cost jobs. That's what the Prop 23 campaign is talking about. But when you look at who's funding their campaign, 97% of the money in the Prop 23 campaign is coming from the oil industry. And the lion's share is coming from two Texas-based oil companies, Valero and Tessero corporations, that together uh, have earned $10 billion in net operating profits in the last decade uh, from their refinery operations in California. They are two of the ten worst polluters in the state of California. And the bottom line is they and their colleagues, the others who are funding this, just so you know, National Petroleum Association, World Oil Corporation, Boyette Petroleum, Robinson Oil, Barry Petroleum, Southern Counties Oil, Jaco Oil. I encourage everybody to go to the Secretary of State's website and see for yourself. These guys profit from the status quo. Today our dependence on oil uh, means that 62% of the oil we consume uh, is imported from out of state so simply the act of getting your car and driving to work sends money out of the state economy. Similarly with uh, electricity, you know, na- natural gas is the largest single fuel source for electricity generation in California. We import 87% of the natural gas we consume in California and that is to the benefit of these oil and natural gas companies which is why they're sponsoring this initiative and they're they're basically engaged in classic oil industry mythmaking uh, because their assertions about job loss, uh, associated with AB32 are flat out false. And that's been debunked widely by, um, you know, studies by UC Berkeley and, uh, and elsewhere. Uh, in fact, uh, what's been happening as the clean tech sector grows, is that the job growth in the clean tech sector is far outpacing that for the rest of the economy. Job, job growth is uh, ten times faster in the clean tech sector and has brought in, since the climate law passed in 2006, $9 billion into California, and $2 billion of that was last year when we needed it most. So this is absolutely the wrong time to turn off the faucet for this rapidly growing sector of our economy because that, if you look around the rest of the economy and where we're going to get economic growth from, it is from the clean tech sector, and we need long-term stable policy environment to be able to um, to grow jobs and um, you know help California's economy recover.
0: And while we're uh, still on the page of funding, uh, you've got to mention the Koch brothers.
1: Absolutely. So these late are late entry. Here. <laughs> uh, late entry. They just put a million dollars into the campaign. The Koch brothers are um, together uh, the third wealthiest personal fortune. In the United States, after Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, it's right. oil money, uh, and they have been funding primary funders and uh, I think the creators, in fact, of the Cato Institute, which is the institute that's spewed out all these um, you know uh, fake uh, you know climate doubt stories that um, and, and you know studies claiming that climate change uh, doesn't exist, mm. um, and that again is motivated by uh, oil company profits. The reality is, unfortunately the fossil fuel business is still highly profitable. So there's a lot of money at stake here, and they're, uh, you know, in a position of of being able to come in and pour tens of millions of dollars into this California uh, proposition, which, you know, the environmental community is not going to be able to come anywhere close to, to matching. But I will say there is hope, because if you look, for example, at proposition. 16, which PG&E, launched in in uh, the spring of this year, you know, to basically prevent public power uh, from spreading in California. They put 50 million dollars into that campaign, and the no side had only 100 thousand um, dollars, and the no side won. So it is possible to defeat them. It will be an uphill battle, but we can do it.
0: And and what needs to be done? Uh, are we really? going to have to raise the volume uh, from the grassroots level to get the truth out. I mean, it, it's so difficult to go up against these um, ads that just bombard, and we're only in mid-September, you know, uh, television stations. And like you said, there there is a victory, uh, what happened with Prop 16. But this is so important, it just seems like we can't take a chance that this could actually happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think we have to get the message out that this is wrong at every level. It is not just wrong uh, from a public health perspective and groups like the American Lung Association have been very vocal against it. It's not just wrong from a climate change perspective of dealing with climate change. Um, Obviously, the whole environmental movement is um, speaking out against it, but it's also wrong from a process perspective because I don't think that uh, anybody in California ever envisioned the ballot initiative process as being a vehicle for Texas oil companies to come in and change policy here, and that's precisely what they're endeavoring to do. so you know, this is also one of the reasons the, the League of Women Voters has spoken out against it. Um, the main myth that needs to be debunked here is the threat of job loss associated with AB 32, because it's simply untrue. And you know the best indicator of that is the fact that the California Labor Federation, which represents over 2 million California workers in construction, manufacturing, and retail, uh, is opposed to this initiative. Arguably, that's the group that should care the most about job loss. Uh, Also opposed to it is the Silicon Valley uh, Leadership Group representing, you know, the 300 of the biggest companies and job creators in California. Just to give you one example, um, so I've been in the solar energy field for 10 years, the last three years with uh, a solar panel manufacturer in Fremont. We're called Solaria. And, uh, you know, this summer we raised um, $65 million to scale up manufacturing of our new lower-cost solar panel. We're opening a factory next month. We've tripled in size in the last six months. We're going to double in size again uh, in the next year, and this is just one example of the kind of growth we're seeing around the clean tech sector, and it is directly related to AB 32, which creates the conditions that allow um, capital to flow into California. Um, without that uh, sort of policy compass heading, uh, putting us on a path to greater. Clean energy and energy independence. Um, it would be much tougher for uh, clean tech companies to get a foothold and um, and begin to grow.
0: Okay, while we're talking about job loss, and the reality is nobody knows for sure you know on either side how many jobs will be lost but isn't that an opportunity to retool and retrain people um, the the same people who might lose their jobs to get them on the renewable energy bandwagon isn't that you know what we should be focusing on that uh, and 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 i would have to i think that um, a transition such as you know the one we're facing and even president obama from the oval office said this is you know a national priority to make the transition from dirty fossil fuels to cleaner uh, energy options, uh, that that has to create jobs. Uh, maybe, you know, initially some jobs are lost, but, you know, I can't help but um, put my own well, spin you know, on I, David Bowers' quote, which is there's no jobs on a dead planet. Anyway, let's not right. forget that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's certainly, um, certainly something we should all bear in mind. But, you know, I think the oil industry has been so effective in injecting this idea that, you know, uh, Legislation putting us on the path towards cleaner energy will cost jobs. It's just a question of how many jobs, and that is flat out false. From my perspective, what's going on here in California, we are experiencing job loss. But AB 32 hasn't even gone into effect yet. It doesn't go into effect until 2012, and there's much larger macroeconomic forces at work. I believe um, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that the clean tech sector will be the sector that um, actually pulls us out of the recession because the growth potential is so big. The energy business, for example, is the largest um, industry actually in the world. And the, I have been in, you know, as I said, in the solar industry for 10 years. I've seen what uh, innovation is happening in solar in China, in Japan, in Germany, and elsewhere. And I, I believe actually the innovation happening in California is the very best in the world. We do have an opportunity to become an exporter. Um, uh, in the industry, and, and that will mean um, certainly some job growth. You mentioned earlier, you know, transitioning of industries. You know, we're hiring actually a lot of folks out of the auto industry. Um, we're seeing now. we saw, uh, you know, last spring, the largest auto manufacturing facility west of the Mississippi uh, be closed down. That was the NUMMI factory. It was a joint right venture of GM and, yeah. and Toyota right uh, across the street from us. In fact, 5,000 workers got laid off. We have actually hired um, some of them, and we're actually hiring um, folks from from, uh, Illinois uh, to help work on some of our machines uh, who had been engaged in the auto industry. So there is, I think, um, a trend just beginning here, but for that to continue to grow, we need to keep the policy compass headed in the right direction. It's absolutely essential.
0: And that's happening in Detroit, uh, that plant that is now making the Chevy Volt, which was shuttered and is now reopening after retraining some of the employees there. It's exactly the kind of win-win we need to uh, create and emphasize. And, you know, doing nothing or status quo, business as usual, will certainly condemn our children and grandchildren, not to mention generations to come with an environment that's not habitable. I mean, I wonder sometimes, you know, these Koch brothers, at least there's names attached to them, Charles and David Koch, you know, with Valero and the Tesoro Corporation, they're oil companies. Yes, there's people who run them and work there, but you actually have names of people. And I, what, my first question was, do these guys have kids? Mm-hmm. Do they have reservations on another planet we don't know about? I mean, it just seems like money is ruling the day once again, and that's nothing new, but... Do they not believe the science? Do they not, you know, read the newspaper? It's just beyond belief that 2010, with all the scientific evidence, you know, accruing that climate change is real, that humans are causing it, that we're having, you know, extreme weather events, whether it's fires raging across Russia this summer or epic floods in Pakistan, not to mention record heat waves on the East Coast this summer and cooler than whether I've ever recalled, and I grew up in the Bay Area this summer, you know, on the West Coast, and they say that's all connected the heat wave, the East Coast connected to the West Coast. What, you know, what more do we need in terms of a perfect storm to show us that um, Mother Nature is in charge here, not us?
1: You know, you're absolutely right. I think America has been overcome by a tendency to focus exclusively on short term gain. People are thinking more about the profits for the next quarter than what's best. Um, for the next decade or the next generation. And that's really what we're up against here. The thing I would stress is the role that California can play. It is, you know, the absence of leadership from the United States Senate has left us in a situation where we're not going to get or it's very unlikely to get meaningful um, climate legislation through Congress. However, if you look at what California has achieved in the past and the ability of robust, visionary state legislation to spread – It's really inspiring. I mean, California led the way uh, on the first Renewable Portfolio Standard. That has spread now to 28 states, led the way on the first Net Metering Law, the law that allows you to interconnect your solar to the grid if you put solar in your house. That has spread to 40 states, led the way on energy efficiency standards in the 1970s. It's now the most efficient um, per capita energy user in the country, and that saves California $56 billion dollars over the last 30 years Um, and same thing on catalytic converters requiring those banning unleaded gas those things became national California's tailpipe emissions law another terrific piece of legislation championed by uh, our friend Fran Fran Pavley in 2002 now thanks to President Obama that's become a national standard and the idea that somehow uh, and this is I had a debate with the oil lobbyist uh, on um, KQD radio on Monday and one of her arguments is well you know, what California does is meaningless because other people just continue to pollute. And that is just um, not borne out by the facts because our leadership matters. We can um, engender victories elsewhere. And in fact, I would say it's impossible to create change elsewhere uh, in a place like China, for example, if we're not leading ourselves.
0: And I remember when that legislation, AB 32, was signed at the Golden Gate Bridge. There were, of course, the usual suspects, the environmental group uh, leaders. But Governor Schwarzenegger was there. And I remember thinking, boy, he really has gone green, the guy who brought us the Hummer. And while we're on <laughs> politics and ability to change, who would have thunk that George Schultz <laughs> is actually um, among those who are fighting Proposition 23? That's an interesting uh, bedfellow, if you will. Um, we all remember him, of course. So tell us how that happened.
1: Well, it's a really, uh, I think, positive development that you've got some very prominent Republicans, uh, former Secretary of State uh, George Schultz and Governor Schwarzenegger, who are helping lead the charge here. Um, and I would welcome um, more support from the Republican Party because the issues that are at stake here, um, you know, this is not a partisan fight, it shouldn't be a partisan fight. Um, we're talking about the health of our planet and the health of our economy and um, you know, getting out from under the grip of these uh, powerful oil interests. And I think uh, you know, what's really going on here is this is an out-of-state effort to try to influence California policy, and, and George Schultz and Arnold Schwarzenegger recognize what's at stake and are stepping up and being vocal, and um, we're really grateful for their leadership.
0: Carly Fiorina was uh, speaking. It was brave of her uh, at the Mill Valley Community Center last week. And I told my daughter, even though we were late for an appointment in the city, that I had to stop by with my sign, which said, "Fiorina, don't be a fossil fuel." I was just so angry about this. And as my <laughs> daughter was angry at me, Mom, what, you know, what, what are you doing, protesting? You're my mom. I said, "I'm doing this for you, honey." <laughs> and I held it up. I held. We were holding our signs up against the window as the Tea Party. I didn't know there were Tea Party members in, you know, Southern Marin, but apparently there were not a whole lot of them, were looking at our signs. And, boy, that felt good. I was only there for ten minutes, but... You know, it's outrageous that um, someone, you know, like Carly Fiorina is actually coming out, you know, in support of 23 against 32 and saying, you know, that it's realistic that, you know, we're going to get down to 5.5% unemployment anytime soon, which is the crux of
1: That's another that's another absurd contention. So this is basically a repeal masquerading as a suspension. What the proposition says is that AB 32 will be suspended until California achieves 5.5% 5.5% unemployment for four consecutive quarters. So that's an event that's only happened three times in the last 34 years since they started keeping records of this kind of thing, and the oil industry knows it. Um, what they're doing is trying to make it seem sort of less significant and harmful than it actually is. It's a very clever guys, um, but it is a guise. And so that's another thing we need to really get the word out about um, and debunk that. And this will permanently undo our uh, climate law, and they, and they know it. Because in this um, economy, even though we can expect some job growth from um, the clean tech sector, getting down to four consecutive quarters of unemployment is going to be a um, long time before that happens.
0: So if one is concerned about our environment, and I would say that's everyone who eats, breeze, or drinks, everyone who should be, um, it's a clear choice between Carly Fiorina and uh, you know, energy and environmental champion Barbara Boxer. There's another clear choice between Jerry Brown and Meg Whitman when it comes just to green issues.
1: That's absolutely right. Uh, Jerry Brown has been very vocal in his opposition to uh, Prop 23. I had breakfast this morning with his energy advisor, and uh, they've been uh, fantastic. Uh, Meg Whitman has been kind of hemming and hawing. She has not, uh, I think, come out in favor of Prop 23, although um, she may. Uh, I think she's seeing that there is – Uh, Some pushback from people uh, seeing that now they're driven by Texas oil companies that she hasn't done that yet. But
0: well, I remember um, David um, when she first launched her campaign. She it was very bizarre. She made an appearance at a solar company somewhere on the peninsula and was voicing opposition to AB 32, which seemed to be you know an early um, forerunner of what was to come.
1: Yeah, and you know she's doing that, claiming that she's representing Silicon Valley. you know, because she has Silicon Valley experience. But, you know, I work in Silicon Valley. I'm involved in the Silicon Valley leadership group, and these 300 Silicon Valley companies that are part of that have vocally opposed Proposition 23. So she does not represent the leadership of Silicon Valley and, uh, you know, all the companies from Google to Apple to Intel um, who do see the consequences um, of this proposition.
0: I understand that um, the campaign co-chair for Prop 23 has uh, challenged the uh, CEO of Valero to a debate. Um, So far, no response?
1: So far, no response, but I I look forward to that. I think think the oil industry is going to be reluctant to engage in that because it really pulls back the curtain and shows who's driving it. What they prefer to do are find sort of front groups, that uh they can say are leading the charge they recognize particularly after the BP oil spill that the oil industry doesn't really have a very good name in California or in the United States so they don't like to be in the spotlight um so what they've done for example one thing they did is they, um it appears they have uh, put a bunch of money into a foundation the Adam Smith Foundation which didn't exist um prior or, or did existed but didn't have any money prior to the prop 23 Campaign and suddenly, they, you know, that foundation contributed a half a million dollars um, to this campaign, and nobody knows where that money came from. Um, those are the kind of things we're seeing a lot of.
0: And COCA um, apparently funded groups that are now, you know, training and organizing some Tea Party activists. So that's where the politics comes in once again. David, do you think it's time for a Green Tea Party?
1: I would, I would certainly sign up for a Green Tea Party. It's a great idea, Betsy.
0: <laughs> really, I mean, I think, I think it's past time for that. There are so many people who are watching you know, as as this um, surreal scenario continues to unfold between uh, those who, you know, are in touch with science and those who would say the earth is still flat and uh, it's going on too long. And those yeah. of us who have children, uh, all parents should have a stake in the future. It should be pretty obvious. should be outraged. And I think we need to raise our voices even louder and, and grow the choir, and that's what I'm trying to do with this green radio program. And uh, lots of people out there trying to raise awareness, but it seems that education alone is not enough. Um, in our last two minutes... What's needed, David, to really make all these arguments, you know, history?
1: Well, I think, uh, you know, talking to friends and family and um, just letting everyone know who is driving this proposition, who is funding 97% of it, that it's coming from uh, the Texas oil companies, is the most critical thing. You know, who do we want deciding our future? Um, It's not these guys. They're interested in their own bottom line, and that's it. The stakes are just too high. For that, not just for our environment and future generations, but for our economy and the job opportunities that we're going to experience. I mean, we're in a very tight race against places like China uh, that are now investing a lot in clean technology, and if we want to really be a leader in that, it cannot happen in the absence of um, pro-environmental uh, policy. And so when you undo California's climate and clean air legislation, that sets us back economically. That's the reality.
0: And so my other sign at that Mill Valley protest was, Carly, just because you don't have kids, don't give up on our climate. So I guess I'm not, I'm not objective when it comes to this, even though uh, I used to be a journalist. Now I'm just an advocate for raising eco-consciousness and activism because Lord knows we need it. All hands on deck. Thanks so much it's for joining for us, David.
1: You We're bet. Thanks so much.
0: We've been speaking with David Hochstiel. He is the vice president at Solaria. That is uh, one of the many solar panel manufacturers uh, headquartered here in the Bay Area. His company in Fremont, California, where that Numi plant was, and is being retooled to make greener cars. And that's what we need to do is make this transition. We have no time to waste. Thanks for joining us and for doing your part to uh, help make this world a little more eco-centric. And to all our Jewish listeners, I want to wish you a happy new year. Hopefully it will be a greener one for all of us. See you next time.